We thank our praise team that Jesus the Messiah is Lord of all. We claim that this morning as we come to this service, and I hope that you feel that uh, in your very depths of your heart. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to follow with me at home or here in this service. We'll be reading from Mark, the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 11, as we find Jesus coming into Jerusalem as a king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asked you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches as they had just cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he the coming of the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts and he looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of His precious and holy Word. Staying power, having staying power, we often hear that word. Some of you who listen to my voice, both here and through live stream and recorded message, remember a group when they first came to America. I won't ask you to raise your hand, and if you're listening online, of course, I can't see if you did raise your hand. Do you remember a group by the name of the Beatles when they first came here? Do you remember the hoopla that it was? Do you remember how they became famous? Well, according to one person who has written about them extensively, it didn't just happen by accident that they became famous. Brian Epson, who was the manager of the Beatles, he was an absolute uh, marketing genius. He put together a plan so that they would be successful. To begin with, he hired hundreds of teenage girls who would be great fans. And then he hired people who would dress up like policemen and paramedics. And then he rented police cars and ambulances and had them sent uh, to the stage so that they would be there in case the madness would begin to explode. Brian created several different stage settings. Some settings had them coming off of a bus, some had them coming off of a plane, and others mostly had them coming off the stage itself. With cameras rolling, the girls were at the very side of the Beatles. They started screaming and they started going berserk with great excitement. Some of you remember that time that they first went on the Ed Sullivan show, or maybe you've seen a clip of that, and they fan out the audience in those Kids are screaming and passing out and fainting. Well, several girls were instructed to pretend 
to faint. At that time, the paramedics would run in and carry them off to waiting ambulances, while others would begin to scream themselves, and the policemen would try to calm down the crowd. As the cameras flashed from one scene to the next, fans were shown holding up signs that said, I'm a Beatles fan. I love the Beatles. The Beatles are the best. And every major broadcast studio in America would show that on their news clip. For several weeks in advance of the Beatles arriving here in America, those videos and audio cassettes were played in every TV and radio station in the country. What was the result of that? Beetle fever. Beetle mania. And this country was swept from state to state by this wildfire of the Beatles. And when the Beatles finally did arrive in America, guess what happened? Well, you know, don't you? They were met by thousands of screaming girls who were losing their minds and truly fainting. And the rest, we say, is history. Of course, it didn't hurt that the Beatles were great musicians and were very creative songwriters. Didn't hurt a bit, did it? But we find out that there was not only a lot of hoopla about them, but they had staying power. For most of his ministry, Jesus discouraged folks publicizing what he did. We hear oftentimes in the Gospels that he would say, you don't need to tell anybody that I've healed, uh, that I've done these great wondrous things. He tried to downplay that. He did the opposite of what was happening here with the Beatles. The last thing Jesus needed was some marketing genius who was hyping his ministry. But when you are a man who can heal the sick and raise the dead and be able to feed 5,000, it's hard to keep it a secret, isn't it? And so we have today this dramatic story that we find in Mark, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 11. And Jesus and his disciples, they're drawing near to the city of Jerusalem. They came from the village of Bethphage and Bethany to the Mount of Olives. The disciples were sent ahead to the entrance of the village, and they would find a colt tied there. And tied, he said, and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, Tell them that the Lord needs it, and he'll send it back shortly. And the two disciples went ahead and did as they were instructed, and they were asked, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus told them to do, and they went on their way with this colt. Then Mark says something that I think extraordinarily happened. Many people along their way laid down their cloaks and also these palm branches in that had been cut in the field. And they sang to the top of their voice, I believe, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. It may present to us a scene of great joy and wondrous anticipation. However, sometimes things are based on misguided expectations. 
So it was, I think, by and large, and it explains why this same crowd that ushered forth these words of Hosanna could also say on Friday, crucify Him. They had a misinterpretation of who He was. For people along the way thought that Jesus was coming as some kind of political king that they had looked forward to. That He was somehow going to smash and shatter and to break up the established order of the day that they thought that it would be a showdown between Jesus and the Roman officials. This is what they wanted. And this is what they were hoping for. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They sang out everywhere. Hosanna is an interesting word, isn't it? It's a word that we rarely hear except on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday presents us some surprises. Palm Sunday, in the holistic look of Holy Week, is rather interesting, isn't it? The truth is that we don't really know what to make of Palm Sunday, for it has a lot of color and spectacle about it. It has a lot of festive voices and joyful exuberance. And this seems like this is a happy day, and yet, is it completely appropriate to ask, what in the world is this day doing here in light of what is going to happen later on as we come to the very cross of Jesus Christ and is dying for our sins? Is Palm Sunday, Sunday a bright spot in the midst of an otherwise darker day or days to come? Are we just this morning to forget about all the dreary things that may take place later on as we sing forth Hosanna? Or is there also a sadness to this day that we need to bear in mind? Pastor Stephen Spencer, years ago, had a little three-year-old son. And they were in the service, and as the service got over in the narthex of the church, they noticed that little Philip had a bad look on his face. He sort of was all scrunched up, and his cheeks were puffed out, and he was red in the face. And they said, what's wrong, Philip? He says, well, I thought we were not supposed to sing about Santa Claus in church. He said, what, what do you mean, Philip? We're not supposed to sing about Santa Claus in church. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, why did we sing Hosanta, Hosanta, Hosanta in the highest? Well, some of us are just as confused about why we're singing Hosanna maybe today. For Hosanna means to save us. Save us now. The people were asking Jesus to overthrow the Roman oppressive government and restore the throne of David as a legitimate rule over Israel and to do it right now. That's the reason they were singing that. The palm branches also uh, had a specific uh, meaning to it. 200 years earlier, Simon uh, Maccabeus had defeated those foreign armies uh, as they had been able to deploy their uh, Israeli independence. And when he rode into Jerusalem, the people gathered chairs and palm branches because they had seen him as a deliverer. They were seeing Jesus here some time later being this deliverer of the political government. You see, we're always facing that, aren't we? Whatever country we're in, we're always trying 
to do something with the political governments of our day. There's a story about a little boy who was a little bit misguided, who had lived on a farm and had moved into town, and his family had moved in there for convenience purposes. And it was a Saturday morning, and like a lot of moms, she wanted to sleep that morning, but her son didn't. He was up and just all full of joy and exuberance. So she got up and dressed him in his play clothes and said, I'm going to lay back down, son. You can go outside and play a little while. He came back about 20 minutes later and said, Mom, do you know that every one of our neighbors has a doorbell and that they're working? Sometimes we can be misguided, can't we? in the way in which we look at things. Excitement even itself can be misguided. It's interesting to note that Jesus did come in on a donkey in the entrance of Jerusalem, and somebody pointed to that donkey as a creature that did not ever get any respect. But we see that it was a humble act in which Jesus was trying to symbolize on that day. Jesus was riding on the colt of a donkey, symbolizing humility not a horse uh, that symbolized conquest. Jesus approached Jerusalem in peace as a humble servant, not as some superior conqueror of the political world in which they were living in on that day. And that's a reminder to us that God is still at work even when we can't see Him. Now I have to admit that sometimes I don't always see what God is doing. And I'm sure you don't. And it fills us with great question marks oftentimes trying to figure out what God is doing in our life. In order to see Him, though, we have to look for Him. And I have to tell you, in the world in which we're living, there's a lot of people that are not looking for God. They're looking for everything else but that. And so we don't find Him. If we want to find God, we need to be looking for Him. And we need to be looking for Him in the right vein. Many of you have watched those Alfred Hitchcock movies. They still rerun some. And he was known for being able to to create uh, great uh, films. And he's known in the history of cinema as one of the greatest. And he's known for his master of suspense. Oftentimes, he would sort of do this um, occasionally. Uh, He would put him on self in one of his films. For instance, in The Birds, you can be... He can be seen winding the clock. But you have to look to find him. Brian J. Waldrop, in his book, Ocean Breeze, Inspirational Moments with God at the Beach, he tells about flipping the channels on one Saturday morning. And it used to be, you know, guys that would come on there and girls that would come on there, and they they would be drawing a picture, you know, and you'd just watch them, and they'd be talking as they drew the picture. Well, it was one of those guys that was on that morning. And he was drawing a picture out in the desert and he noticed those browns and yellows and blues that he was coloring with. And it was a beautiful picture and he looked at it and he said, you know, that's a great picture. And he was thinking, well, he's about through. And all of a sudden he took this blob of sort of dark blackish color and threw it in the middle of his painting. And he said, what in the world is he doing? And then he noticed as he began to add other colors to that blob of darkness, 
that he formed a wonderful picture, a picture that he never imagined that he could form. And he said, well, <laughs> the artist knew what he was doing all along, didn't he? Walter writes this. As I sat there watching that program that day, I was really surprised to find myself cringing at the many moves the artist made with his brush. And I got to thinking how typical that is of my own Christian life. Many times in my life, after struggling and hardship, I come to a place where I'm comfortable. And as I am basting in the goodness of the Lord, God has chosen to institute a change in my life. I neither expected it, nor did I want it. And then he said, this time I cry out, Oh, Lord, you are ruining the picture. But often I allowed God to continue his work and do the canvas of my life. To my surprise, the picture began to turn out pretty doggone good. Finally, I would thank him for the addition or subtraction that it added to my life. And then he adds these profound words. There have been times, however, that the change never looked good to me, and perhaps it never will. During these times, I remember that God is still painting. You hear what he's saying? The picture has not been completed yet. I must travel on in faith knowing that I will see him face to face, and my painting one day will be beautiful. In the meantime, I can take comfort knowing that in every situation, though it may look ugly or bad, is paint that the master craftsman can use for the good. I'm sure that all of us can identify with that. There's been times in our life that things have occurred that we just misunderstood that we said, God, where are you in the midst of the calamity and chaos and disruption that I'm experiencing in my life? I'm sure that every one of us could raise our hand this morning to say, that's happened to us this past year, right? Every week, every week, and sometimes every day, I hear stories from you and other people who tell me how difficult your year has been. And you've wondered where is God in the midst of all of this? And I'm here to tell you, I believe He's still working. And I think that He is still trying to work a more beautiful painting of who we are in this world. God is at work even when we're not aware of it. The people that first Palm Sunday were looking to a conquering king, but Jesus appreciated the people's high hopes but he knew that their hopes, that they were short-sighted. For God had a different plan, a plan that would change the world forever. You see, if he had been able to overcome the Roman government, they'd have said, oh, wonderful, and they would have praised him and they'd begin to shout Hosanna again. But that was short-term. Jesus wanted to make long-term connections with us and change. And so it was a spiritual thing that He wanted to take place in our lives that we would be transformed now and forevermore. You know, it's our job to make God visible to the world. Let me say that again. 
as Christian people, it's our job to make God visible to this world that we live in. It's not that we just get fed. It's not that we just get blessed. But rather that we are a blessing and that we give to the world that we're in and that we share the gospel. Does our faith really matter to us? Is there something important about who we are as Christians? If that's the case, then we are called to share with the world that we're in that God does exist. I like to read Philip Yancey. He makes me think. He inspires me. I don't always agree with absolutely everything he writes. Or sometimes maybe I don't always understand what he writes. But I like to read his works. But there is a book that he wrote on prayer. It tells about a friend of who, his, who was a very attractive lady who was a mixed race person. Her name was Joanna who goes each day to the most violent prison in South Africa. He said her efforts there show remarkable results in calming uh, the violence in that country, twice prompting the BBC to produce a documentary about her. So she's obviously making a real impact with the work she's doing. In trying to explain those results, Joanna said to Yancey, you know, how is all that happening? And she said, well, Philip, God has, is already present in the prison. I just had to make him visible. God is already present in the world. But I'm convinced this morning he's asking us, not just to be there on Palm Sunday with palm branches, but to show up on Friday too at the cross to shout for Jesus to be saved, but to understand in his going to the cross that he's going for each of us. We want to see Christ alive in our world. We feel His Spirit. We sense His call. We understand His movement in our life. But isn't it refreshing? Isn't it encouraging when we see the faith lived out in the lives of His people? That it becomes visible. And that's the wonderful piece about who Jesus was. That He came as God's Son. He came in the flesh. They were able to watch Him, observe Him, model after Him, and follow in His footsteps. Wouldn't it be wonderful when God one day calls us home that somebody tells a story about us and how we were a Christian faithful disciple? Wouldn't it be wonderful that when somebody is struggling and discouraged and saddened and can't get up off the floor, that they mention our name because we lifted them up through the grace and love and compassion of Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be wonderful 
that when we're looking for a visible sign that God exists and He's still alive in a troubled world, that they can point to us because we followed in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and we're able to sing Hosanna and God in the highest. And we not only say it with our lips, but we show it in our actions and the way that we live each day of our lives. What the people who welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem that day did not realize was that God was offering them an opportunity to join Him in a new thing, in an exciting thing, in a vibrant thing. Rather than simply just smashing and overpowering the present government and the system that existed in that world. God was beginning at the bottom to build up a new world order. He was starting with a small group of men and women and person by person would change and transform their lives that they really believed in who Christ was and His cause. You see, this sort of put-together army now numbers in the millions, doesn't it? It not only happens here at Roseville, it happens all over North Carolina. It happens all over the United States and it's all over the world. We're still proclaiming that Jesus is Lord of Lords, that He's the King of Kings this morning. It's still growing. and We're building hospitals and universities and schools, and children homes for His cause. We're continuing to provide healing for those who are wounded and setting free those who are captive. Christ is alive and He's leading His church and He's also calling us to be the leaders today in the church that we live. We need people with staying power. You hear what I'm saying? We need people who are going to be there on Palm Sunday. We all like to show up for a parade. I told in my little devotion that I did this week that, in Gastonia that the Christmas parade was a big deal. We got there early and we looked uh, for particular groups that's going to be there, those who would put on a show. We watched that and everybody was decked out in their best attire. And it was entertainment at its best. Sometimes about the only entertainment we got in those days. But when the show was over, we went home. And that's what happened here in this story. For a large group of the people. Wouldn't it be nice when the show was over, when the parade's gone, that we're still standing with Jesus. And that's what he calls us to do on this day. We need people with staying power that we can be counted all on to make a difference and a positive change in this world. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can we sing that? With all the gusto that we can muster this morning, and from the very depths of our heart. 
I hope you can. I hope you will. Amen and an amen. May God bless you on this day as you have joined us for this service. We hope that as you come on Palm Sunday, as we approach this Holy Week, that we understand the magnitude of what Jesus Christ has done uh, when he was there then in Jerusalem in the Holy Land and what he is doing today in our lives. Do you feel him in your own personal life? I hope that you do. And I hope that as you've come today for this service, as you've listened uh, by way of Facebook and Internet or maybe even on tape delay, that God has spoken to you and he's called you to be a witness He's called you on this Palm Sunday to be visible in the sight of God. I hope as we depart uh, that you go with this message and you carry it to your family and friends and others. and Hope that uh, you'll come and be with us again. Our staff is going to be out in the hall. We're not going to shake hands, but we want to speak to those that we can. If you are visiting with us this morning here in this place, uh, we hope that you will let us know who you are. We have a small gift for you outside. And again, we hope that you'll come back and worship with us as God affords that. Would you join me in closing word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you have been present here in our worship experience this morning. And we pray, O oh Lord, that as we have come here, that we have not come here as people of unbelief. We don't come as people who doubt the message that we read about in the Scriptures, but we come with a conviction and a commitment that we'll be followers of Jesus Christ. We'll follow you all the way past Palm Sunday through this crucial Holy Week to the cross, for we know next Sunday will be the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he'll not stay in the grave, but rather that he'll rise again. And We pray, O oh Father, that as we depart from this place, that you'll go with each of us. Bless our people, keep us safe, and we pray, O oh Lord, as we meet again, that you will anoint us with your Holy Spirit. For it's in your precious holy name we pray. Amen.